Hello everyone and welcome to episode 342 of the MGD Goldfish Podcast. I'm Seth, probably better known as Saffron Olive, and we have the full crew here this week kicking things off with the owner of MTG Goldfish, Richard. How's it going this fine Monday, Richard? Hey Seth, how's it going? Doing well, doing well. Ah, I, I'm doing well as well. It's a oddly quiet week in the magic world, but we'll get to that in a minute. We got another co-host and Grim. What's up today, Grim? Uh, well, you know, I guess it was a moderately quiet week, but I mean, there's some big news that dropped this week. I can't wait to talk about, and it hits me, I guess, a little bit more for it because it was something I was very excited for. But yes, uh, Having a mo- oh, an all right morning otherwise, Seth. Uh, well, that's all, all right is better than bad, at least. So yeah. we'll, we'll take it. So anyway, today, uh, it's we don't really have spoilers. Uh, we're going to have a lot of stuff coming up shortly. Tomorrow, there's a big announcement stream with all the products for 2022 and Universes Beyond and all that stuff. So we'll get a bunch of news tomorrow. Presumably, spoilers start on next Monday. So we're going to have Innistrad spoilers soon. But this week, we're kind of bouncing around a little bit from topic to topic we have news on the magic netflix show they're going to start off with we wanted to talk about a new secret lair drop that was just announced uh, box toppers making their return in innistrad uh, the announcement day that i just mentioned and then answering a bunch of fish mail it's a good week to answer a bunch of fish mail questions so we're going to bounce around from topic to topic before we do though a reminder that our show today is brought to you by card conduit and card conduit you've probably heard about them from us before they're a great way to sell your magic collection and they are offering a new service that's geared towards selling smaller batches of valuable cards with a reduced service fee you can use their curated shipment service to sell your cards at the best available buy list price with only a five percent service free and as with all card conduit services you don't gotta sort your cards you don't gotta grade them nothing like that you can just safely pack them up and ship them out and of course you'll get a detailed report with the results so you can check out card conduits curated shipment option as a way to buy list up to 150 cards with fast processing, optimized prices, and the low, low service fee of just 5%. And right now you can even get 10% off by going to cardconduit.com slash goldfish. So Card Conduit, they're the easiest way to sell your magic cards. And thank you to them for supporting the show today. So let's talk some magic, starting with uh, maybe the biggest piece of news that came out this week, which is about the magic Netflix show, the long rumored magic Netflix. Netflix show. We got some uh, some new information, some changes that are uh, going on. Uh, Richard, what uh, what is the news that we got about the show? I don't know, Seth. What is the news? <laughs> okay. I actually don't yeah. know. I, I just know uh, very high level details. Okay, so so the information, uh, Krim, do you know the news? Actually, you know what, Seth? I, I, I don't. I don't. I, I want to hear if you know the news. <laughs> okay. Okay. So, Seth doesn't know so either. Podcast is over. I, uh, <laughs> yes. Shortcast. Shortcast this week. Thanks for coming, everyone. Um, <laughs> so the news is the Netflix show, it was originally supposed to be made by the Russo brothers, uh, who I don't really know X-Men and whatnot, but they're pretty famous, right? <laughs> like, who are the Russo brothers? I know you guys know that. So who are the Russo brothers first? first? Off, X-Men? Okay, anyways, it's uh, it's like the X-Men. It's the Avengers movies and, of course, the oh, Winter Soldier, okay. uh, which is the Captain America movie and, you know, Civil War. And then, of course, there's Endgame and 
Infinity War. Okay, so very well-known producers, uh, yes. the Russo brothers. So yes. the Russo brothers are going to be making this show. It's been uh, two years. It was originally announced in 2019, I think, and we haven't heard many updates. Well, the update this week is the Russo brothers are out, along with basically their entire team, their writers and so forth. Coming in to take over the show is Jeff Klein, who I guess was an executive producer on Transformers Prime or something. So Jeff Klein, and they're also switching the animation studio to Snowball Studios. Uh, So it sounds like they're kind of starting over almost from scratch. There's going to be a new story with a new director, a new writing team, a new animation studio. So two and a half years into this process, back to square one by the sound. So, Krim, I know you were really hyped about this show. What do you think of these changes? Yeah, this is the biggest news to me, like, so far. And, like, this one probably hit me a little bit more because I was really, really, really excited for this show. Um, and I mean, just because I've always wanted to see magic kind of like have that kind of TV show, like how we had Pokemon or, or any of those shows growing up, you know? And it was like time for magic to finally shine. I was excited to see where this could go, which, what's like the animation style. They had the Russo bros and now they have, I don't know. <laughs> the thing here is <laughs> like the, I, I, I know that they have uh, the executive producer of Transformers Prime. Now, I actually liked Transformers Prime. I thought that was a good show. Uh, and I mean, this, the new studio, does this now mean that it's moving into a more CG animated direction? Right? Because like this, before it was kind of led to believe, like you were led to believe that it wasn't entirely CG. We weren't really sure at that point, but now we've got an update and it's apparently going to be CG and it's going to have, yeah. Transformers Prime's executive producer. That is big to me uh, because as a shift in animation is going to be a little bit weird, I was expecting it to be a little more along the lines of like Avatar or, you know, uh, Kiora, you know, like all, not Kiora, sorry. Uh, the, <laughs> the, the other Avatar, like Korra, not Kiora, close. Uh, but yeah, I thought it'd be along those lines, but it's actually now moving in the direction of CG. So maybe there's still hope. Uh, I mean, as I said, Transformers Prime was a very good show. Uh, still solid if you're a fan of Transformers. And if you weren't, it definitely was a great starting point for newer, like Transformers fans. So I'm hoping that though they switched it up, it's and though we lose the Rooster Brothers, it I feel like it still could be in good hands. Uh, I mean, if you watched a show like Dragon Prince, then you'll know that 3D animation has only gotten better, and it's just it's just gonna be a little bit different. But it, you know, I, I have hope, and I and, and if it's anything like Dragon Prince's animation, I'll be excited. So this is a huge setback. Because I more so am worried, much like, you know, we had mentioned earlier, Seth, is it just going to be one of those things where it's just going to kind of be in limbo forever now? Because without the Russo bros being signed on, who are like A-list directors and all that stuff, right? They, is this still going to be a priority for them? If, uh, if I, if I read it correctly, the Russo brothers specifically brought Jeff Klein in for this, uh, position. Uh, because they wanted uh, him to work on it. And of course, uh, there's a story editor who worked on, you know, the Clone Wars for Star Wars, if you're a fan of that. And so there's a lot of solid 3D, like animated shows here, like on everybody that's been brought on's like, you know, resume. So this is what's leading me to believe that they don't just bring 
anybody on right for like this i mean I, i'm glad they didn't but i don't think they just bring in you know people with a resume like that and have it sit on the back burner although i do get a little bit worried <laughs> just because i i this was announced and now it's fallen to the wayside now they've lost you know i was i've been wondering where it's been they lost the directing team they brought in a new one is this a real concern like are they going to actually make this a priority <sighs> Yeah, that that is that is a question. I think no matter how you look at this, it's got to be considered a, a downgrade. No, no offense to Jeffrey Klein, who, I, you know, I don't know. This isn't my area. But uh, the Russo brothers, that's a name that I have even heard. And uh, I don't know much about people who direct, you know, X-Men and Avengers and so forth. So I, I think this has got to be a downgrade. Even like the animation studios, Snowball Studios, I did a. I did a little bit of uh, research on the two different studios. Snowball has like a handful of employees and like five million dollars or less in revenue a year when uh, Bardell Entertainment has like 300 and 500 million dollars of revenue a year. So it seems like they're going with a much smaller, maybe startup style studio compared to what they were going with before. So those I think those are concerns to some extent. And we don't know what happened behind the scene. Maybe the Russo brothers were like, I, you know, we, we don't want to do this. Like, we don't want to make a magic show. We thought we did, but now we don't. So we don't know why we're at this point, but I think it's fair to be less excited about the possibilities of the show today than before this announcement. What, what do you think about all this, Richard? Yeah. Looking at the style of Snowball Studios, I, it looks like it's going to be like a kid's show or something like that, right? Like, it's the very, 3d in your face like kids and like if you watch like youtube kids shows like you'll, you'll like recognize the style immediately oh, i was hoping like was legitimately hoping for, veggie tales like, like anime I mean, style or like you know oh, like the, the serious like you know like oh, like no. a serious gritty <laughs> magic show not like saturday morning cartoons but even if it's saturday morning cartoons for like i don't know how old do you have to be to watch cartoons like it, I feel like it's uh. <laughs> they're skewing for the young kids to sell toys as opposed to like you know people like us would enjoy right like so ah. it's really interesting you mentioned that because if you look at Jeff Klein's uh, IMBD profile. Yeah, he did do uh, Transformers Prime, but the list of shows that he has done, most of them are kids' cartoons. My Friend Tigger and Pooh, Dragon Tales, Jackie Chan Adventures, Harold and the Purple Crayon. Uh, so most of his filmography or whatever, whatever you want to call it, is Woody the Woodpecker. It's it's little kids' cartoons, and that kind of lines up with what you said about the, uh, the production studio as well, the animation studio. So maybe that is the direction they're heading. Is this is going to be a little kid's cartoon that's going to try to sell, I don't know, Jace Barbie dolls or whatever. Like, I, I don't know, some but sort of like marketing thing. Up where the premier card came for 13 and up. <laughs> but <with laughs> like, it doesn't make any sense. You can't sell to kids. You got to sell to teenagers and like boomers. So I, I, I will be uh, very, it's very, that's very true, actually, when you think about that. Cause like, I'm wondering, how do you sell? Like, think about the pacts and, like, the darker side of magic. Are you just going to, like, ignore that part of it? Because how do you bring that to a kid's TV show? That <laughs> you don't. <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> you don't. That's how. But but at the same time, okay, let's assume that, you know, maybe maybe magic 
the magic show will be darker. It's just they're, you know, they're like the people they brought on their resume and like, you know, their discography or whatever, their filmography doesn't have a lot of dark stuff yet. But this will be their first entry into it. I'm hoping it's darker because you can still I I kind of thought this was, as I had mentioned, like kind of like market. It would have been marketed at the very least ages 13 and up, like 13 <laughs> and up. But I mean, Transformers Prime, I would say, was pretty good. And it looked like it was kind of meant for kids, right? Like, it, I don't know if any of you watched it. It's like the old show called Reboot, all of that stuff. It has that animation style. And I have to imagine that with the studio they went with the animation for this show, it'll be along those lines. So if you're okay with those kind of shows, I mean, I, I, I think you can still have that kind of animation and have it still be marketed towards older crowds. Uh, but I do think that it won't attract the crowds that are like 40 plus. You'll be attracting the crowds so, like I would be considered the tail end, I think. Yeah, I, th- I think that probably makes sense. So what do you think about the idea that this this means the show is not going to happen? Like, do you, is there any risk of that? It was first announced in 2019. We're now in 2021. It sounds like they're basically starting over at scratch. New story, new team. Uh, should we be expecting this show to actually come out sometime in the somewhat near future? Or do you think in 2023... We're going to be hearing about another new team taking over or maybe just not hear anything about it at all. Like, is there is this a bad sign for the show happening at all? Do you think I think I mean, I hope that it happens, but I think what's going to happen is it's going to be two years and then it's just going to come out. We're not going to have any updates. It's just going to drop in two years or a year and a half. And it's going to be. Uh, dare I say not too good I mean okay I I hope it's not but at the same time with the change up in teaming like the writing team and whatnot or like the whole team like just on the show I I don't know now now I'm a little bit worried but I kind of have to have faith but I I I think it's gonna just not we're not gonna have any info on it and it's just going to drop out of nowhere. Look, if, if you told me that Wizards is coming up with a new show, I would automatically assume it's hot garbage. Okay? <laughs> just like, you know, if there's a new mobile magic game coming out or a new, like, magic IP game, I'm like, by default, it's garbage. The only thing that was saving this was the Russo. You're like, the Russo brothers. Right? They wouldn't sign on to do garbage. They would, they, would, <laughs> they would ruin their name. Right? But so the fact that they signed on and now they're walking away... That tells me Wizards wanted to make garbage, right? Because they're like, I'm not, I'm not putting my name on this, right? They're like, nah, right? Like, I, no, I have a reputation. I'm out of here, right? So that is my default line of thought. Wizards has to prove to me. Because, like, remember, what's the last foray into this? Like, the Dungeons & Dragons movie? I don't oh, know. Oh, God. Right? So like, bad. they don't have a good track record of this. So I am not getting my hopes up. If I'm pleasantly surprised, that's awesome, right? But... Yeah, I. It's they, just the Russo brothers was the only game. thing holding it together. It was yeah. the only thing holding this together. Now, now it's back to questionable quality, right? They're gonna need a very good writing team to sell this because at the same time, if you're making it for young kids, how do you sell magic, the lore, right? Like, how do you sell that to the young kids? And if you're telling me the. Like the obviously, I think the anchor point here is they would have to go with the gate watch, and Gideon <sighs> will be back, and we're not we know what's going to happen to him. But the thing here is the kids won't, so I guess that's one way. And 
I think with a really good writing team, though, as much as it, I heard Seth kind of like sigh a little <laughs> bit at the idea of the Gate Watch. I think the Gate Watch is still doable. It just has to be written well, right? Like, like you know, we've seen a lot of the Gate Watch in the last ten, what is it, ten, fifteen years, uh, but. Maybe, maybe with a good writing team, this is how you get the next generation to watch the show magic. And then that brings them and like gets them into the game of magic. Cause technically I, you know, the show got me, the Pokemon show got me into the game. And when I got into Pokemon, I had no idea how to play. That game is way more complicated than it should be for kids. But, (laughs) but like, and that'll be the same for magic, right? So. If, if with a good writing team, magic could be cool. All right, this could be the Saturday cartoon. All right, I gotta believe. <laughs> is is there any risk? So let's say the worst happens. They make the show, and uh, it's as horrible as we fear it could be in the worst case scenario. Does that hurt the game overall, or is this just like so separate from the game? That it doesn't actually matter. Because I know, like, the the Street Fighter movie, for example, is, like, (laughs) known to be one of the worst movies of all time. And people still love Street Fighter, so the game is still, you know, fine. (laughs) There's no way you're going to call out Magic for making trash and then tell me you like Street Fighter, the movie. (laughs) As a kid, I love that movie. Mortal Kombat, eat that up. (laughs) No way. There's no way. That movie is so bad. But I, I should try rewatching it with my adult standards to see. I don't. What I don't think like. you should. I really don't. I rewatched the Mortal Kombat movie from the '90s or whatever because I loved that as a kid. Because I love Mortal Kombat, I watched it again. I'm like, this did not hold up. All too well. <laughs> but I love it. But it's like, oh. And, and and like Goonies, I watched Goonies again. I'm like, oh, this is not as good as I remember seeing it as a kid. So, <laughs> but but I will I, I will say that to answer Seth's question, I think this is it's only upside for Magic. Actually, even if they release this and it absolutely tanks, and and we've got another Street Fighter but serialized, uh, like I. <laughs> I think it'll it's it's no loss to magic, right? They weren't even in this like field before. Granted that the next generation might be like magic? Isn't that that one really really bad TV show? Like <laughs> may, maybe that's how it is because I mean for me my first exposure was to the movie. <laughs> and I'm like, "Oh man, D&D was a really bad movie, but it turns out there's a game." Uh, so the the thing here is I I think that magic actually I is magic even on the radar? For kids, right? Is this something that's even on the radar for out, like you know, like for people outside of our like social circles? And I think this is probably okay for them to venture into that world because if they if they lose that audience, they never had them anyways, right? They never had them anyways, and I doubt they were going to get them anyways. Magic, the TV show, doing well gives them a shot at getting in there, so I guess it's all upside. So the worst case scenario, it drops. It's absolutely terrible. Any Anybody that wasn't already into magic or whatever that, that doesn't know the game would never get into it. And that's that's fine because, you know, they weren't going to get into it anyways. Right? I think that's that's only upside. It's only upside. Even if it just sucks for us. Like, we might take it personally, but yeah. 
I mean, I, I think that's true. It's it's hard to imagine anyone like selling their collection because the TV show is just so horrible. Like I, well, I'm done. Don't, I'm done. don't ruin the game for me. Don't jinx it, Seth. <laughs> don't jinx it. It could be that bad. Oh, anyway, any any other thoughts on the TV show before we move on to some other topics? Uh, well, OK. Any other thoughts is if the show might, is already going to be a stinker and whatnot and and, and all of that. Hey, Magic, or anybody that's working on the show, if you need a voice actor, I will gladly be on that show. <laughs> oh, we're just putting the nail in the coffin at that point. Yeah. <laughs> would you like to voice uh, Jace the Mind Sculptor? Well, sure, I would. <laughs> <sighs> All right. There, there was also a, another announcement this week of a secret layer drop. Secret layer alert. Richard, uh, what's the deal with the secret layer drop? All right, we got a uh, surprise secret lair announcement on Sunday, I believe, of all of all days to <laughs> make announcements, uh, and they are celebrating uh, Hasbro PulseCon, which is happening in October. I don't know what PulseCon is, but it seems like it's a virtual Hascon of some sort, uh, where they're doing a bunch of stuff with Hasbro IP. But for Magic players, we get a secret lair featuring. Uh, cats i guess in like a very distinct art style we have chain lightning generous gift heirloom blade and kodama's reach uh so these will be exclusive to PulseCon. uh we don't have details on how to order it or, or any of that yet but uh we're i'm gonna assume we'll get more information as they reveal more stuff about PulseCon. and PulseCon is in october yeah, there's there's a page up if you if you look up PulseCon, they're actually a page with a whole bunch of different exclusive products they're going to have. It's uh, got products across Hasbro's lineup. So uh, all the different uh, IPs that they have going doesn't have prices listed yet. I'm actually going to be really curious to see what they charge for this. The art's cool. And some of the cards are pretty playable, like Generous Gift is a commander staple, Kadama's Reach is a commander staple. On the other hand, I think, I looked it up yesterday, Chain Lightning, I believe, is the most valuable card, and it's like $2.25 or something, with the other cards all being significantly less than $2, a buck fifty, some of them under a dollar. So altogether, if you just like added up the value of these cards, it's like seven bucks or something. Like it is not a lot of money. Does the price play into this at all? Like when you look at a secret lair, you're like, wow, like sure the art's kind of cool, but why would I spend $30 on this when I could pick up the, you know, cheaper versions of these cards for, for five bucks, for seven bucks? Or do you think maybe they sell this cheaper to promote PulseCon? Maybe it's a $10 secret lair drop or something, which we've never seen before, but that would kind of line up with the value of these cards. No, I mean, I I think this is gonna like, be a thirty dollars secret layer. At least. <laughs> you you love you love promos more than any of us, Grim. Would you spend thirty dollars on this? If you look, okay, can, can you go down the list again, Seth? What are the cards? We, chain Chain Lightning, right? A red card, heirloom blade, an artifact. Okay, generous gift, a white card. Okay, and uh, saving the best for last, Kadama's a reach. green card. Have you noticed? <laughs> There are colors <laughs> specifically left out of that <laughs> that I yeah blue yeah Demir is not <laughs> yeah. represented at all <laughs> either that or Demir is so good at being hidden they've secluded themselves or hidden themselves from the secret layer drop <laughs> but yeah no I don't play any of these cards I don't like 
I mean, I kind of play Generous Gift. I have Heirloom Blade in some of my decks in Commander. Mm. Kodama's Reach, get out of here. That's just nonsense. I like that. That's a green card. Yeah, I don't I don't play any of these. And on top of that, are these cards that popular? I think Generous Gift and Kodama's Reach might be. Um Yeah, those are those are the big ones. Chain Lightning, see so he's playing like Legacy Burn, but that's not really cool. much of a thing. If it ever got printed into modern, it would be it would be a staple. But then but it would be Heirloom Blade, I've never seen anyone play actually. Is that a is that a card that people play? In Commander, yeah. I, I no, played in Commander, I don't play but, in Commander. But lightly. Yeah. <laughs> even I don't play it. <laughs> And Richard loves his equipment. That's a, that's a bad sign it's, for it's, an equipment if Richard does not play it. It's a tribal <laughs> equipment card, right? Yeah. But it's like, it's, yeah, it's fine. Just like How that. do you not play this, Richard? I feel like this is Bird 101, okay? This has got to be Bird 101. <laughs> it's it's no dousing dagger, that's for sure. I mean, yeah, yeah, it really isn't. <laughs> but yeah, like, I think Heirloom Blade is played in Commander, but like on the fringe. And Chain Lightning, if you're going to play that for like Legacy, you're... Unless you're like me and you like mixing and matching all your artworks, you you probably want a play set, right? So that's in a weird pickle. And the other cards, yeah, why why wouldn't I just spend like $5 and just get this whole secret layer? (laughs) The art, I I guess I'm a little... It depends how much you like the art, right? Yeah, like I would pay $30 for a five cent common if I really like the art, right? In this case... I don't really care, right? So it's not worth it, right? So the other way you sell Secret Lair is you put $50 worth of cards and sell it for $20, right? That is also not the case. So in this case, I don't care about the Secret Lair whatsoever, right? But they they could theoretically make a Secret Lair of five commons with like incredible art and I would pay a lot of money for it, right? So it really depends. But in this case, I'm not sure who the artist is. Maybe this is like a famous artist and like we're just not in the loop. Uh, and therefore they feel the artist has enough pull to like price it high, or maybe this will be a discounted secret layer. But given that it's tied to PulseCon, I somehow doubt it. I think it'll be full price, if not more expensive. So, yeah. I, I got to say I'm a little disappointed that this is a con promo, because when I think of magic con promos, I think of like the SDCC planeswalkers. Remember like the the black on black planeswalkers yeah. and like they did some really cool things in this. Why it's fine. And the art is, you know, the art's fine. And uh, I like it. It's not like my top tier secret layer drop, but it's it looks nice, but it's not innovative or groundbreaking or anything so i'm kind of surprised that their exclusive is just another secret layer drop that we get you know three times a month or something anyway uh, rather than doing something that was more like unique for this con in specific like i i would pay for monopoly man whatever his name is right <laughs> like why, why not throw hasbro ip on this to celebrate pulse con right like why not the the artworks that is from ayako ishiguro and I believe they're actually very well known in Japan. Uh, okay, I be- that's cool. I believe but, they're very but well Paul, known in Japan. But PulseCon is only available for U.S., Canadian, and U.K. fans only. Fair. And to be honest with you, I I do like the artwork of Heirloom Blade a lot. But I just like I I don't know if I the, the artwork has to like be like on a bunch of cards that I think also are really really cool, or the artwork has to be out of this world at like amazing and i there is one thing that kind of like makes me think that this will still be worth a lot though there are cats 
people do love the cats. I know the original cat secret layer drop ended up being incredibly valuable. Like right. in, in hindsight, there's a lot of there's a lot of cards that the original printing is like a dollar, but the secret layer drop version is like ten dollars or yep. something. Just random commander cats. So maybe maybe that will get there. Although. I mean, these are cats that you don't necessarily play in your cat deck, like chain. These aren't literal cats. They have cats in the artwork, but it's not like you play chain lightning in your cat tribal commander deck or whatever. Like, I guess but you, Kadama's reach, Kadama's you might. Reach. You could heirloom blade. blade. You probably shouldn't, but you might if you're desperate. Ooh. Generous gift. I, I would probably play that as removal in a cat deck. Cat decks are usually white. So, yeah. so yeah, maybe that'll, maybe that'll save it. I mean, the secret layer that had cats was Selesnia, right? And to be honest with you, the like, like, generous gift is great. Uh, heirloom blade, look, it's a cat equipment, right? Why not? And Kodama's Reach has a cat on it. So I, and like, if there's one thing I've learned, it's that, you know, in Commander, you'll see tons and tons of decks just built around artwork. So example, like, I've built a bolus deck that just has bolus artwork in it right like obviously deliver unto evil isn't exactly the greatest card but i but i play it anyways because it has bolus on it to play the bolus lands so this might be popular just because there are cats on it i mean i didn't think the original cat drop would be worth much yeah no i I mean that's true people do people do love cats so it does have that going for it so anyway that'll be coming up in a couple of months at PulseCon. uh also we got some news about innistrad this week kind (laughs) of accidentally a a vendor posted on amazon pre-orders for innistrad boxes and they listed box toppers saying that the box comes with with a box topper and everyone's like whoa we hadn't heard about these box toppers and then wizards uh ended up confirming that yes there are going to be box (laughs) toppers with the innistrad sets which last time we saw these was Zendikar Rising, and that's when we got, like, the fetch lands, and I bought a ton of collector boosters of Zendikar Rising, specifically because the box toppers added so much value, like, being guaranteed a shot to get fetch lands, and Cavern of Souls, and Valakuts, and a lot of really high-value stuff with uh, with Sweet Art. That was a big pull uh, for me for buying that set, so I assume we're going to be seeing something similar with our Innistrad sets. My question for all of you is... What do you want to see for box toppers? We got the land theme with Innistrad. Like, I guess you could do just old Innistrad reprints. Is there some other theme that you would associate with Innistrad? Because normally when Wizards does this, they are theme-based. Like, Strixhaven, Mystical Archives were spells. We had lands with Zendikar Rising. What theme would fit for a return to Innistrad? Oh, I got this because I've been literally sitting and thinking about this. Okay. We had the the Mystical Archives, right? Yes. We also had the D&D modules, right? Okay, mm-hmm. old school black and white horror movie posters. Like, I, I think that'd be really cool. I like. There's no way you go back to the horror, like the set that's like horror themed, right? Or and and you've got vampires, you've got everything that you could ask for from the world of horror. Um, and you could even do in the font like th- imagine creature from the Black Lagoon, right? You have all of that. Uh, you have like the mummy. Y- you have the monster universe, the monster verse, if you would. Even, I mean, I don't know if this is possible, but it'd even be fine. Like, I'd be okay with, like, how Ikoria had Godzilla. You put the Wolfman. <laughs> I know this is this is just me going a little farther into the, like, in the Christmas land. But, you know, why not? I'm going to humor it here, okay? But, like, that would be super rad. But, okay, if I, let's say we can't get Creature from Black Lagoon, Dracula, you know, the whole monster squad. That's fine. But black and white poster style artwork of, like, cards. Come on. 
We already had uh, the music poster, right? The concert posters. We've had the metal artwork. How, like, if not in the main set, which I hope it is, then at least a secret layer drop that's themed that way because they are missing out on a huge opportunity here if they don't. That would actually be pretty, pretty excellent. I, I would love, uh, old horror movie poster art. That would be super cool. There's also a lot of, like, good reprints, even from Innistrad, old Innistrad sets. You got Liliana's and Snapcasters and, like, Parallel Lives is $50 now. So you could reprint a bunch of old Innistrad cards, or you could just go hard on, on the theme and go old, you know, zombies and vampires. I'm sure cool. if you dig through Magic's history, you can probably find enough high value you cards yeah. that you could that you could do that for box stoppers and stick like pretty pretty hard to the horror theme yeah. flavor wise along with art wise yeah like like definitely i would love to see that and yeah like imagine a horror artwork of like snapcaster like it's not like, it would be snapcaster be... that's like not on theme right it's gotta no, be but... something like horror How? creatures right so like zombies mad scientists werewolves vampires there's not enough mad mad... scientists to be a theme <laughs> but they could, but that is horror though right like that is still horror so they could run with that i mean okay but like like the like the the strixhaven mystical archive is like a theme right it's like spell slinger uh strixhaven is about slinging spells so that's what they're using um what was almond cat like the you know the cards it, that no one can read there were spells right uh that yeah that well they were like hate invocation. cards mostly right weren't what, they like what was the official theme blood of moons that? and chokes and They're they were winter orbs In- invocation it was, it was just no, literally like, hate cards magic card wise though oh. i think they were mostly hate cards yeah uh blood like moon, they were all damnation yeah it was so it, it was all, like posers Maybe removal, if you want to go, like, spells or something, or, like, the horror creatures. I think zombie, werewolf, vampire uh, would be a good one. But, it's got to be the, some theme like that. It can't just be, like, Innistrad reference, I don't think. No, no, no. But, I mean, like, I'm saying imagine just, like, they took cards also just from – that also could fit into the slot of the world of horror, right? And so you take a Snapcaster mage, you turn him into a mad scientist with, like, like crazy wild, like – gray hairs all over the place right kind of like the person that would make a frankenstein and like th- there's there's so many things that you could do there with that and like they just horror like they just make it so they take cards that we've loved and just put it through the world of horror and i think that'd be really cool like if i think they could do that to some extent like yeah. snapcaster i could i could definitely see that there'd be other things like i don't know Avicen or something. I I don't know uh, how it, it would be weird to see like horror version of some characters, but I think you could get away with doing quite a bit of that and like stretch it. And I think it would actually be kind of cool, right? And then and then or and or like just maybe making it as I said a black white, com- like almost like a horror movie poster, right? Like how they used to do the horror movie posters, because they already have the modules, so that means you know that they're willing to get pretty wild with their artworks. Yeah. Now that, I mean, I'm definitely hyped for it. I think from just a super practical perspective, box hoppers add a lot of value to packs. Like, yeah, the ones from Zeneca Rising were insane because you had all the fetch lands and some other really good lands. But even if they're not that insane, just getting a free box topper is almost always better than getting whatever the buy box promo is for, for a set, just value wise. Like, and usually with collector's boosters and things like that, they often give you multiple guaranteed. So, 
I, I'm hyped for it from a person who loves to crack packs perspective, too, because box toppers are usually a pretty easy justification to crack open some packs. I, like I said, I bought a lot of Zendikar Rising, and I'm pretty happy with how it turned out because now I got a bunch of fetch lands just from cracking open those boxes. So uh, I'm definitely excited to see them returning, and I hope Wizards keeps doing it more because I think box toppers are uh, a good thing just all around for players and probably for Wizards, too, because it helps them sell boxes. Yeah, it makes standard cheap. Right, it drives down the prices of your mythics and rares because the value is being held in the box toppers. So, good. Yeah, that another benefit. Oh. Doesn't work on arena as much though, unfortunately. <laughs> just, also, uh, I just thought about that right now, like how we were talking about the horror style cards. Like, how cool would it be to see a Phyrexian Obliterator or something like that in a horror movie poster? Like, it they do it in like the, the uh, I don't know. Came from the deep or the dark and yeah, 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 on the poster. And then it's just like a picture kind of like of the obliterator in black and white. Oh man, I got myself too excited on that idea and it's totally not going to happen. Uh, all right. One other, one other bit of news and then we're going to answer some fish mail. A uh, little bit of news about adventures in the forgotten realms. There are a couple of things that came out on Mark Rosewater's uh, blog attack this week. One being uh, future sets that are not magic and are using other IPs will not be premiere sets, which we kind of knew that with universes beyond uh, where wizards had said those were not going to be standard sets. But apparently that applies to future D and D sets too, which they mentioned they might make if the D&D set was, you know, pretty well selling. And the other news that came out is that Forgotten Realms is going to go down as one of the best selling sets of all time based on early results. So, uh, I mean, I guess that's good news. Did you have any doubts that the D&D set was going to do well? Or were you pretty, pretty set as soon as you heard it that, okay, a lot of people are going to buy this set? Oh, yeah. The, it, the fact that it's D&D... That's that's got a pretty big like pool of people, right, from all over. And I know tons of people that have just gotten into magic because of this set. So, uh like yeah, like this this makes it's not a surprise to me whatsoever. Yeah, I mean I think I think by default every set is the greatest selling set. Right? Like you usually you know, if magic is growing uh, by default, that's the case, and especially in this case, when they have the the classic modules and, and all like the 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 special arts that D and D players can gravitate towards, and plus the intersection of D and D players and Magic players is very high, that will grab all those people back into the game or uh, newly into the game. So I don't think it's too much of a surprise, um, you know. Does it like like we always ask this question, right? Like standard kind of sucked, or you know, it didn't do much for standard initially, uh, but it's the greatest set of all time, so it's fine, right? So yeah, as long as Wizards keeps on this trajectory, it's it's okay, I guess. We keep getting new players, which is good. Yeah, I mean, uh, best selling set of all time is always a good thing, and I assume that we'll see the same thing when we get universes beyond sets, even though they're not standard legal. I'm expecting when we do get Lord of the Rings and we do get all those other crossovers, those are probably going to sell really well too. And if it's bringing new players into the game, that's I think a positive, at least even if it's a little bit weird and some people don't like it. And I, I get that, but bringing in new players is a good thing and keeping the community growing is a good thing. So it looks like uh, adventures in the frown realms is going to, going to be a big win. So wizards took a bit of a chance, I guess, and it ended up paying off in this case, which is which is cool. Good to see. I, Do you think I, Midnight Hunt will be the best-selling set of all time? Yeah. 
I would not be surprised. Whoa. That combines everything. Yeah. Like, Maybe. Players Love Innistrad. It's a big fall set. It's got box toppers. Mm. It's got the horror theme that can kind of, like, you know, make it relevant to not hardcore magic fans. That You know, like, kind of the stuff we were talking about before. Maybe you just like monster movies and so forth, and maybe that'll draw you in. So I wouldn't be surprised if Innistrad crushes it this fall. But more, like... You don't think so, Krim? Well... I don't know if it like it'll do. Okay, it's using a lot of werewolves, right? <laughs> I know this is more so like maybe just like speculation, but I think that werewolves don't sell as well as vampires. So if Crimson Vow mm. moved first, I think that it would have sold more, right? I mean, how often do you hear it's like, man, uh, of the monster movies, I sure hope I get to be a werewolf over a vampire. I, I'm sure you've heard people like both. Wow, Twilight fans like shattered here. <laughs> like, like <laughs> werewolves are afforded too. <laughs> no, I mean, like, but the thing is, everybody that loves Twilight, what do they want? They want to be the vampire or they want to be in love with a vampire, right? Whatever. <gasps> the point here is Our that comment it's section. I mean, yes, Team Jacob, whatever. But the thing is, that's like the second movie, okay? So, like, the, the thing is, I think vampires sell better than werewolves. I love I think werewolves. you're looking way too deep into this. I am I Am I just, just looking like way magic too deep? Set? Yeah, cool. I've been waiting. I've been waiting for rotation. But like, what buy makes, all the packs, right? But, like, but, sure. but what makes it amazing and sell more, example, like what D, why D&D is the highest selling set, right, is because it's D&D. It's got the boost of the D&D, right? So there, there is an, um, some amount of marketing and whatnot out there that relies on the fact that like the, the stuff that's on these cards, then, you know, it kind of matters, right? The D and D set showing you that it, it's one of the best selling. And when people arguably say that they hate the set design wise, or it's like so polarized, it's like they either love it or hate it. It tells you that, Hey, <laughs> I mean it, the set will sell if you just put cool cards on there. I think the power yeah. level of Innistrad will more than make up, Right, like maybe it does. So for for D and D, like if you actually cared about standard and stuff like that, even eh, power level questionable. But you yeah, know, you love D and D, you jump in. Those people that jumped in at D and D will continue to buy. Um, oh yeah, you know magic cards, so they'll buy Innistrad. But then all these people waiting for rotation, waiting for powerful cards, uh, Innistrad will get them to buy more cards, right? And then box toppers and things like that. So you know, I would expect every set to be the greatest selling set ever right like I, I just expect the growth of magic to keep going up uh and i i think especially for the fall set the fall set will always be special right it's like the eldrain right like it's always powerful it's always flashy <laughs> you know it's, it's an awesome theme that everyone loves right everyone loves horror right and they're, they're gonna have some cool border they have box toppers so i i think like everything points to it being the greatest selling set of all time until the next set right <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean okay. I, I i buy that argument i think like it's easy to have the best selling set of all time as long as the player base keeps growing because yeah. like but naturally you're gonna have the best selling set of all time because you got more players buying your product so unless the set is really bad and everyone like actively hates it and then even then i don't know like if you judge the magic community everyone hated or many people hated the walking dead secret lair drop and then that was like the best selling lair drop of all time or one of them so even that might not actually matter but i think yeah you're right it's easy to keep having the best selling set as long as 
the player base keeps growing. And I feel like Innistrad has a lot more going for it as well. It's like iconic and nostalgic and it's got box toppers and it's a beloved plane. So I, I see what you're saying, Krim. And I think that I would agree that probably vampires are more iconic or popular than werewolves, but I'm not sure it's actually going to matter in the end. I think people are just going to buy, you know, a boatload of probably both Innistrad sets. And I think the werewolf one might win out because it's the it's a rotation set. And that's the the jumping back in point. If you're someone who's like not been playing much standard recently because you haven't been enjoying it or whatever, that's the the box you want to get to jump back into standard for the next year. So I think that might outweigh the fact that vampires are like, you know, a higher tier, whatever horror creature type than uh than werewolves are i think rotation will help sell yes yeah rotation it like the 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 set could be peter pan right like it like whatever it doesn't matter (laughs) (laughs) it could be like ego's waffles it it would sell amazing as long as it's right after the rotation of eldraine like maybe maybe (laughs) it will be the best selling set not because of any other reason than it's the set that eldraine left what if the set was based on uh, the Street Fighter movie? <laughs> Best set of all time. <laughs> was it really that bad? It's bad, Richard. <laughs> like it's really bad, Richard. Please I watch really it enjoyed again. it as a child. You know, don't, don't shatter have, my dreams. Have you have you watched it again? I don't think I will. I don't think I will. I think some things are just better Keep left. Keep the good memories. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Uh, all right, I think I think that's all of our topics. We got a few minutes today, so let's uh, let's hit up some fish mail. All right, uh, if you have questions, send to at MTG Goldfish with the hashtag MTG Fish Mail, and we will get to your questions on air. Uh, the big large. If everything but Circle of Loyalty rotated, would Eldraine still be the best set in standard? <laughs> wait, uh, wait, obviously. Did any of you guys <laughs> manage to force Circle of Loyalty into anything useful? <laughs> <laughs> the time is running uh, out. <laughs> I've tried. I tried playing. <laughs> I've tried forcing that card and everything. I'm like, yo, the fact that this is legendary <laughs> really hurts me. <laughs> yeah, it's. I've tried it in modern for against the odds. I've played standard decks with it. It's, uh, it, it, it's okay in like standard nights, but even there, it's not especially good. So yeah, um. <laughs> Yeah, it's okay. Poor, poor, I would say poor it's us. pretty generous. <laughs> I mean, look, look, look. I'll, I'll be honest with you. Okay, even if everything rotated, I think the card. Yeah, no, no, hold on. It couldn't get played anywhere. Actually, <laughs> what would standard look like if Circle of Loyalty was the only legal card? Who wins? <laughs> I mean, okay, it's if it weren't legendary, would it be better? Yeah, I think it would be better because its main value, I think, is being an anthem for your knights. Mm -hmm. Uh, Although it would take away the downside of like casting extra copies to get a knight. But yeah, I think non-legendary would definitely make it significantly more powerful. And I think the biggest issue is that like it's so narrow compared to the good members of that cycle, like the Great Henge. Just wants you to play creatures. Embercleave just wants you to play creatures. The Circle of Loyalty, I wonder if they could have 
gotten rid of the night restriction. I think that's how you how you power it up is you just have it give a cost reduction based on creatures on the battlefield. It can still make night tokens if you want to. That's perfectly fine. But I think that's the biggest thing is that like you got to be night tribal and even in night tribal, it's like kind of OK. If it was just like a generic card that worked with any creature type, then maybe we'd be getting somewhere. I still don't think it would be great. But then I think maybe like white weenie or something could play it and it might be pretty decent. OK. Nah. <laughs> I mean, lo- looking at what the meta game is and what kind of things we're playing, like this is just not powerful Ra- enough, right? Raisin Borrow like, would still bounce it. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah. I, yeah. I think it's just maybe in a different meta game it could be good, but in, in our meta, like I, this is too slow and does nothing and I, is not I, useful. I figured it out. How you would make it good is it because the others do something almost immediately, right? I, the blue this one doesn't. Your team. The, the magic mirror is like irrelevant, right? But, but <laughs> if what if it entered the battlefield, you got like two knights, three knights out of that, and pumped your creatures. Then, yeah. then we'd be talking. Ooh. Then yeah, yeah that right? would be like, that would be yeah. a real card. It, yeah. it has to do something, and the thing is, it kind of just enters the board. It pumps your team, but that's great if you have a board. And, and if you have a board, you're probably in a very good spot when it comes to how many knights is needed to make that card castable. So I I don't know. I, I think if it entered the battlefield and made some knights on top of that, that card would have been good. Yeah. All right. Next question. Reflexive bias. Hey, guys, would Archon of Cruelty have been too powerful and had Delve? Would giving Archon Delve allow it to reach the same power level as Flumph? <laughs> well, no, nothing's as strong as Flump outside a circle of loyalty, maybe. Flump should have had uh, Flump aside, <laughs> Archon of Cruelty is already a really strong card. It's already a card that sees play in modern. It has become like the go to reanimation target. So uh, I think if you gave it Delve, it would be broken. Like that, then you're talking like Hogak. One not, of the best creatures in modern. Yeah. Good. Yeah. Two mana? Like that's. Oh yeah, you can dump your graveyard pretty quick. So two mana for an archon of cruelty is pretty disgusting. I mean, we and its ETB is what like a four for one or something. It, it's <laughs> like it's, it's a lot yeah. of value. Yeah, I mean it's it's good enough to where I played a deck that used the the whatever the footsteps of the Gorios, and and it just brought <laughs> just to get the ETB. Yeah, just to get <laughs> like, the ETB. Get it and sack it, and yeah, <laughs> and yeah. It, it was hilarious, but. In modern right now, there's there was a deck. I, I yeah, I just played a deck and filmed a video for mono black, and it uses Cabal Coffers and Urborg. So even if you can't reanimate these cards, you can legitimately just cast Archon. And and even when I couldn't cast Archon, I just brought it back with the Gorios thing, and it felt actually not that powerful compared to modern. But it was. It, hold on, now as I think about it, hold on, I I. It was just good enough against a mid-range deck, but I don't think it's that busted. So maybe maybe it could use Delve. <laughs> no, please no. Hold on. I'm, wait, I'm gonna, would you be saying the same things if it was a green card? If it was like Golgari well, if it was colors? a green card, it's expected. <laughs> like like the green card, we wouldn't have the discussion. If it was a green card, it would already have Delve, and it would do more. <laughs> Uh, next question. 72 J Fisher with Crib and Seth being musicians. What are we getting? The MTG goldfish band. I'm sure <laughs> Richard can sing and Tomer can play the abacus. <laughs> yeah. 
Look, we we gotta we gotta do that sometime. We I, we I talked about Phil it a little plays, bit, right? I think yeah, you can actually get together with Jip Van, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That we'll go on tour. We'll go to uh, tour local game shops, do a little concert, oh and then man. play some magic. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's that's pretty funny. Benjamin with I. Uh, wait, did we talk about this last week? I'm not even sure. In your opinion, is there an unfa- unfun way to play Commander? There is. We talked about this. We talked about is this. There? We talked did about we? Flesh and Blood. Yes, we did. Wait, uh, wait. Did you say? Oh, yeah. No, wait. We did. There's certain Flesh strategies that are unfun or not. And then we basically said Crim. No. Uh, oh. <laughs> oh, I, I must have tuned that whole part out. What? <laughs> uh, 2D, two-dimensional. Would it be possible to add a changelog feature to the Goldfish deck builder? After making changes to a deck, it would list what was added and removed. It would make it much easier to edit decks online and make changes in paper. Ooh. Ooh. I think that is... A pretty cool thing. The problem is we have like way too many decks and that would like quadruple the size of our decks. But I think that's cool because I, I have that issue too where I edit my deck and then I'm like, how do I update my paper deck? Like what exactly just changed? Uh, so I think that's a pretty cool suggestion. Yeah, that would be kind of cool. All right. So that's all the questions uh, we have time for this week. Thank you to everyone oh. who sent them in. If you have questions, send them to at Goldfish with the hashtag MTGFishMail. And we'll get to your questions on air. But before we close and, out, though. Oh, yeah. Go ahead, Grim. I, I was just curious. Like, can we also add something to the website where it's like Seth's winking face? You know, and like as a, a rating system on how, like, example, if you're playing a card that Seth approved, you know, it just has like, <laughs> this has got three Seths, three winking Seths next to the card. Oh, this must be a good card. It must be budget friendly. So put Tomer's face there. You know, I'm just, just, I'm just one, pan, just one panarmonicon. Yeah, we'll, just like, <laughs> get to, we'll get you there. Oh, you know how long it would take to go through and rate every card in Magic, though? I would not be looking forward to that. To that. But think about the payoff when someone submits a tech list. That's for your next top tech video. How many, how many how many winking sets does this card deserve? Does it go... Every Soul Sisters card would have five winking sets. Yes, those are all five winkers. <laughs> oh, anyway, on that note... I think that brings us to the end of episode 343 of the MTG Goldfish podcast. So, Richard Crib, thanks for hanging out. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Thanks to Guard Conduit for supporting the show. And we will be back next week to talk about whatever goes on at tomorrow's big 2022 product announcement. Maybe some spoilers and anything else that goes on in the world of magic. So, until then, have a spectacular week, everyone. And this is the crew signing out.